Well, Colin's going to bring us our reading now before Wellesley comes to preach. Good morning. Uh, This morning's reading is coming from uh, Luke, Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. And uh, the verses will be on the screen. If you have a Bible, it would be useful to, to have it open. So Luke, chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice, so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, He will see that they get justice, and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Father in heaven, we thank you for your word to us. And we pray this morning that you'd be kind enough to help us understand your word and respond rightly to your word. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. There's maybe a a few exceptions to this rule, but I think it's fair to say that as as a nation, as a people living in this country at this time, we're not very good at waiting, whether it's waiting in traffic jams or waiting for test results to come back from hospital or waiting for God to answer the deepest longings of our heart. We're not very good at waiting. Yet as we saw last week, waiting is a key component of the Christian life. Because right now, we are living in between the two comings of Christ. Jesus has died on a cross for sin. He's risen to new life and conquered the grave. He's ascended into heaven where he now sits at the right hand of his Father. And one day soon, he shall return in all his glory, to judge the living and the dead, and to usher in God's future kingdom. The question for us as we wait is, what does it look like to wait well? How should we live and how should we pray in light of that day? Well, in answer to that question, Jesus doesn't give us a list of bullet points. He gives us a parable. The parable before us this morning in Luke chapter 18, a parable that is incredibly rich in what it has to teach us about being faithful in prayer. Have a look at verse 1 with me. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. You see, the danger for us as Christians, as we, as we wait for the return of Christ, as we continue to battle with sin in our own heart, as well as injustice out there in the world, is that we grow weary and lose heart. 
I imagine most of us have felt like that at some time in our, in our Christian journey, weary in our prayer, weary in our souls. You see, the original disciples were not immune from discouragement, and neither are we. And it's why God has given us this parable to, to help us keep going and keep praying as we wait expectantly for the return of Jesus. Well, if you've got your Bibles, your Bibles open before you, you'll see that it's, a, it's actually a pretty short parable covering just four verses. And it's actually a pretty simple parable involving just two characters. Firstly, in verse 2, we meet the unjust judge, a man who we read, he neither feared God nor cared what people thought. Hard to imagine, isn't it, how such a man was ever appointed to such a position. No concern for truth. No concern for justice. No concern for the vulnerable in society. Everything you wouldn't want to find in a judge, if you were stood in a court of law, we find in this man. And then we have the widow in verse 3 who has nowhere else to go. We don't know how exactly she's been wrong. We don't know the precise nature of the injustice that she has faced. But we know that she's got nowhere left to turn. And so day after day she comes back to court and she is knocking on the court of the judge. She's ringing them up. She's writing his letters. She stood out there with a placard in the street day after day. And she's pleading for the same thing, verse 3. Grant me justice against my adversary. Now, of course, in worldly terms, this lady's not not got a lot going for her. But one thing that she does have in spades is persistence. And in the end, that persistence pays off. Have a look at verse 4 and 5. For some time he, that's the judge, refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Or as it says in the ESV translation, which I think is a little bit more helpful at the end of verse 5, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down. By her continual coming. This unjust judge was being beaten down, worn down by the the relentless nature of this widow's plea. And for any of you who've got children or have had children, you'll understand something of what that's like. Persistent pleading often gets results. Yet before we start applying this parable to our own prayer life and the character of God. I want us to think firstly about injustice in the world. Because one thing this parable draws our attention to is the very real presence of injustice in the world today. You see, on that day when Jesus Christ returns to judge the living and the dead, there will be full and final and perfect justice. Yet as we wait, As we wait for that day, as we continue to live in a sin-broken world, this side of heaven, we're confronted with injustice every single day of our lives. According to recent statistics, over one million people are trafficked in this world every year. 
That is modern slavery in monstrous proportions. When you hear statistics like that, something in your heart cries out, that's wrong. That should not be. It is an incredible injustice. In another article I was reading, it's estimated that there are between 40 and 50 million abortions every year. Those are staggering numbers. Between 40 and 50 million lives that are terminated before they've even been born into this world. When you hear statistics like that, something in your heart cries out for justice because it's not wrong. It is wrong, sorry. It's not right. We long for the day, do we not, when Jesus Christ returns and full justice in this world is administered. There is injustice in the world today that is common to every man and woman and boy and girl. But there's also an injustice in the world today which is unique to Christian believers. You see, Jesus himself faced incredible injustice. And if we choose to follow him, so will it be for us. Do you remember what Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 15? If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Injustice, persecution will come the way of Christians. remember reading a story last year of a, a Christian doctor who was dismissed from his role. He'd been working in the NHS for 25 years. And he's dismissed on the spot for holding to his clear Christian convictions regarding Sexuality. He didn't push them onto other people. He just wasn't willing to back down in terms of what he believed the Bible said about sexuality. He took it to court to see if the decision could be overturned, and it wasn't. He got no justice in that court in Birmingham, Birmingham that day. But you know what? In the court in heaven, every mistrial... Every injustice, every wrong will be righted in the heavenly courtroom. Why? Because God is a God of justice. He is good. He is true. He is perfect. And he always does what is right. The question for us as Christians is how should we respond to the injustices that we see around us in the world today? And the answer is just like our widow in the story. We should long for justice. We should seek justice. We should pray for justice. We should plead with God for justice, knowing that one day when Jesus returns, justice will be done and the victims will be vindicated. Firstly, it's the reality. There is injustice in the world. But secondly, we can have confidence in God. You see, the parable before us this morning is a parable of contrast. Often we read the parables of Jesus, and and what we're doing is we're looking for similarities between God and one of the characters in the story to learn more about God. Take the parable of the the prodigal sons and the the younger son who, who runs off and blows his father's inheritance, and then he comes to that point of recognition, and he turns and heads for home. And what does he find? He finds a father who's looking out for him, who's watching out, who who runs down the garden path and embraces his son in all the filth and the dirt and the sin of his former life. He's welcomed back in by grace. 
Not on the basis of anything this son has done. And we're looking for the similarities, right? We see the father in the story and we see something of our father in heaven full of grace waiting to welcome his children home. The power there comes from drawing out the similarities. But in our story today, the power comes not from drawing out similarities, but contrasts between God and this judge. You see, God has nothing in common with this judge. Nothing whatsoever. Look at how this judge is described in verse 2. In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. Here's a guy who could not care less about people. Now you've got to ask yourself a question. Is that a trait that he shares with God? And the answer, of course, that question is no. God cares immeasurably for the people of this world, more than we could ever imagine, so much so that he sent his son into this world to become sin for us, to take our sin upon his shoulders, to die in our place, that we might know the beauty and the wonder of forgiveness. That's how much God cares. When you see the the arms of his son outstretched on the cross, You see, when it comes to God and the subject of justice, we're not simply a case number in a file. We're unique. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, crafted by divine hands in the image of God, loved before the dawn of time, before you even came into being. You were loved by God. Now do you see the power of contrast? The judge in this story is heartless and immoral. Yet even he, in the end, gives justice. How much more so with our loving Father in heaven? Verse 7. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? Will he delay? Verse 8. No. I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. You see, when we pray, we don't come before an unjust judge like the one in this story. We come before our gracious God, before our loving and generous Father in heaven. We come before one who hears our cry and will act in line with his good and perfect character. As we read in Psalm 89, verse 14, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. God's throne, his loving rule is built on righteousness and justice. Does that mean we'll always get justice this side of heaven? No, it doesn't. We live in a world littered with injustice. The day in view here in verse 7 is the day that we looked at last week. It is a future day when Jesus returns from his exalted position in glory and he comes back to this world. That is the great Christian hope, isn't it? That one day Jesus is coming back and when he does, he's going to sort out the mess and the brokenness and the injustice of this world. The question for us now, though, as we wait, is this. 
What does it look like to wait well? And the answer to that question is by being faithful in prayer. There is injustice in the world. That's the reality. We can have confidence in God, in who he is, and what he's like, and what he's done. And thirdly, we have faithfulness in prayer. You see, the key to waiting well is praying lots. That's the lesson that we learn from the widow in this parable. And there's three things that we're going to see here specifically concerning her attitude to prayer. Firstly, praying is pleading. Have a look again at verse 7. Wonderful description of prayer. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him? Day and night. You see, throughout the Bible, we we find God's people crying out to their God. You may remember back in the book of Exodus when God's people are in in slavery in Egypt. They are are crying out. They're groaning and they're crying out to God for deliverance. This is what we read in chapter 2, verse 23. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their cry and he went to their aid. And it is the pattern that we see throughout God's word, throughout the book of Judges. People cry and God comes to their aid. Read the the book of Psalms. You will see God's people on their knees crying out to their God. We saw the same thing two weeks ago, didn't we? The the parable, not the parable, the story of the ten lepers. As Jesus is going into that village and they know their need and they call out to Jesus. They cry out in a loud voice. Literally, they, they megaphoned out to the only one who could do something for them. And it's the same with us. If we really understand our need, if we really understand how much we need the grace of God every second of life, not just in those particular moments when we need God's help and we call out, every moment of life we need God's grace in fighting sin in our hearts and living obediently, joyfully for the Lord Jesus. We need his grace. And the more we understand that, the more we will be driven to our knees in prayer. We won't just pray to God, we will plead with God. You see, there's a big difference between talking politely, and sometimes that's right to God, and pleading earnestly, like this widow in the story. Firstly, pleading. Secondly, persistence. Have a look again how the widow is described in verse 3. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea. She didn't just come once and then give up and think it's not working. She kept coming. Day after day after day, she was knocking on the door of the unjust judge. Now, the point of this story, this parable, isn't that we somehow bully God into submission. It's not like we're we're wrestling for God and with God and we're looking for that decisive hold when we, we twist God's arm behind his back until he gives us what we want. That's not how prayer works. God is good. God is sovereign. As one author said, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of his willingness. You say that again in prayer. 
We're not seeking to overcome God's reluctance. We are laying hold of his willingness. You see, God is not heartless and reluctant like this judge in the story. He's generous, he is loving, he is kind, and he delights to give his children good things. But he does expect his children to ask. He does want his children to come before him. He does want us to lay hold of his willingness. And of course, the more that something matters to us, the more we will ask for it. And that's why this widow kept coming. Because justice really mattered to her. And it's no different with us. If something really matters to us, we will keep bringing it to God in prayer. Firstly, pleading. Secondly, persistence. And thirdly, patience. You see, we don't know how long this widow had to plead before she got justice. But everything in the story points to a significant delay. Have a look at verse 4. For some time, the judge refused. But finally, finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. Point being, God doesn't always answer our prayers straight away. There's often a delay. In fact, I'm well aware of people in the room here this morning and no doubt others listening online at home who've been praying for something or someone for years and nothing yet has happened. So easy, isn't it, to get discouraged to the point where maybe we hurry our prayers for our friends that don't know Christ. We shorten our prayers or maybe we even stop praying altogether. There is a real danger that we grow weary in our prayers. And Jesus knows that. It's why he's given us this parable to show us that we should always pray and not give up. What does that look like in practice? Three words, pleading, persistence, and patience. Two questions for you as we draw things to a close. Firstly, can I ask you, is that you? As you look at those three words on the screen, pleading, persistence, patience, do those three words describe your attitude to prayer? Is that you? And then secondly, I must finish with the question that Jesus leaves us with in verse 8. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? It's a question that shouldn't surprise us because over the last couple of weeks, we've seen that the context of this parable is given to us in the context of the return of Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming back soon. And when he does... The question we need to be asking ourselves is, will he find faith on the earth? Or to put it another way, will he find his people praying? You see, the greatest thermometer of our faith is prayer. In the same way that breathing is a sign of physical life, so prayer is a sign of spiritual life. You know, when a little baby's born... For a couple of seconds, they're purple and nothing happens. Then they gasp and then they cry. 
It's a beautiful moment because it's a sign of life. They're alive. And so it is with prayer. When we gasp and when we cry out to God, it is a sign of new spiritual life, a sign that we're alive in Christ, that we've been born again into a living hope, born again into a a living relationship with the God of this universe. People who pray are people of faith. And if there is no prayer, then there is no faith. So let me ask you that question again. If Jesus comes back in your lifetime, as he may well do, will he find faith on the earth? I'm going to give you a minute to ask yourself that question, to reflect on what the Lord has been teaching you this morning. Take a moment, if you would, to reflect. Well, it's been a great reminder, hasn't it, this morning to plead with God in prayer, to persist in prayer, to be patient in prayer. Let's take those three Ps with us into this uh, new week, uh, both in our individual prayer life, uh, but also as we pray with others. Uh, There's an opportunity to do that this evening at five o'clock on Zoom. It'd be great if you're able to join us for that, even if you've never uh, joined us before. I look forward to seeing you on that. But also next Saturday, we've got a, um, a day of prayer. Uh, the whole build, the building will be open next Saturday for the whole day, and uh, people are free to come and pray any time for as long as you want during the day. Just praying quietly, um, praying about things on your heart, but also spending time listening to God as well. What is God saying to us individually and as a church during this this current crisis? So look forward to seeing you next week. As we close, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for our time together this morning and for what. You've taught us through your word. We look forward to the day when Jesus will come again. And we pray that we would be ready. That he would find us joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Amen.